In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. So now we come to chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes. Joey, can you just give us a brief summary of what this chapter is about? Well, we're, we're turning down towards the home stretch here, and I, I think in Ecclesiastes 8, what Solomon is, is talking about is all of these things, Hevel, mystery, uh, are calling to steward choices, uh, the pursuit of wisdom. And I think what he's doing in this chapter is, is using the avenue of kingship, of royalty, of governing, of uh, some, some parables, some metaphors of of that experience as with Solomon as the king uh, and what, what it looks like trying to pursue wisdom in that, or that specific arena. Verses one through four. Who is like the wise man and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom illuminates him and causes his stern face to beam. I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in an evil matter for he will do whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? So the beginning of this is just talking about how you, you, you sometimes wear wisdom in your face. You, know, you wear it in your countenance. Um, we all have people that we know that they we, we just like them because of the way that they carry themselves, because of their ability seemingly to discern well and to give perhaps give us good advice uh, but wisdom has has this powerful effect on just the way that we look <laughs> the way that we appear to one another yeah and he uh, solomon says keep the command of the king because of the oath before god uh, of course, he's the king, and so it could be kind of considered self-serving to say, hey, you should all serve me. But I think it's probably more like a practical matter. Do not join in an evil matter because you're in a, like a mutiny because uh, you're going to create a problem. He he actually saw this with one of his brothers. His brother tried to overthrow David and ended up uh, and ended up dead as a result. So he, he's actually saying that from personal experience. But... One of the questions that uh, is a little puzzling is what oath we're talking about. There, there's no uh, instance in the Bible where the king swears an oath, and there's no oath that the people swear to the king. But it's the the translation can be to to keep the command of the king because of the, because of the oath. Uh, so it could be the oath of God. And so then, then the question would be, well, what oath did God 
swear, and, and you can find it in Genesis 22, 6, where God says, by myself, I have sworn. And then he, he talks to about Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your people as the sand by the seashore. So uh, then, you, so therefore you kind of have a mission in mind. You know, we have a divine appointment. And if you're doing a mutiny, you're actually, you're actually harming that which God has anointed to, to, um, to bless. You're actually, you know, going against God's blessing there. So that, that may or may not be what it's saying, but it seems to fit better. In which case, what, what we're really asking us to do is have the bigger mission in mind. Look at the good of the whole, not just your little piece of it. Yeah, there's a. I think there's a couple of commentaries that suggest that that this isn't really talking about Solomon's kingship at all, but it's more of a kind of metaphysical reference to the, the kingdom of God and God as king. Um, but it certainly can be doing both of these things at, at the at the same at the same time. Um, and I think certainly in Solomon's time. Uh, with you know his father David and then him inheriting this, there is this idea of them as kings being anointed under the authority of of God as as the ultimate kind of king of of Israel. And in our vocabulary, we talk about like the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Um, so I think there's maybe there's this dual thing going on about you know it's not wise to to mess with authority structures um there you know there's some human wisdom in that but there's also ultimately because god is the ultimate authority structure and if you set in yourself this posture of being against all authority that's going to ultimately damage your relationship with god yeah and romans 13 says uh, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities there's no authority except from god and those which exist are established by god so you have to keep that in mind. Now, um, you may be a part of that authority. And in the United States, every single person is the ultimate authority because it's we the people that are supposed to have the sovereignty. And so you vote and you have an active participant. That's actually your responsibility. But uh, ultimately, God decides uh, God decides authorities. And, um, you know, it's... it's uh, but God will also hold those authorities accountable. Well, and verse 4 seems just uh, very practical, like almost too practical. It says, uh, since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? And so it seems to me to have this undertone of, look, if you don't like what the king is doing, it doesn't do a lot of good to fight against, like to, to argue with the edict of the king what you should be focusing on is how to live wisely under that edict, right? And again, if we zoom out, we certainly do this with God. God tells us not to do something or, or ask us to do something, and we want to kind of argue with him about it. It's like just God's, God's not going to change his mind about what he thinks is best for you. It's better for us to listen and to figure out how to wisely steward that, oppor that opportunity. And with if it comes about that, uh, there's a conflict between authorities, then you have to decide which one's the higher authority. And we saw that with uh, uh, the apostles. They, the authorities told them to shut up, don't talk about Jesus. And they said, well, you know, we, that's something that we actually can't do. You, you take that up with God. 
Because <laughs> he's actually a higher authority. He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? No man has authority to restrain the wind with the wind or authority over the day of death, and there is no discharge in the time of war, and evil will not deliver those who practice it. We've we've talked about this some in uh, kind of this microchurch movement that seems to be kind of sweeping around the country right right now. Um, a lot of our uh, a lot of our changes are reactionary to what we don't like about what's the the current reality, and so they're not vision based; they're they're uh, here based, untenable here's um, which becomes. We define more and more things as untenable. But I think what this is alluding to here, again, with the, the idea of a microchurch is like, uh, don't don't just like leave your church because you don't like what they're doing. That's that's not the right move. Uh, there's a proper time and, and procedure for doing things. And if your church is in total violation of what they should be doing, you probably should leave, but you've got to be careful that you don't just start your own little, uh, your own little version of what's doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Do, version of doing, doing the wrong thing. Uh, so even if, if, uh, what's going on in your church, like weighs heavily on you, there's a, there's a proper time and there's a proper procedure for carrying these things out. So I think, again, this is talking about a little bit about patience and about stewarding yourself and not just like walking in and, and trying to, light a situation you don't like on fire just so it changes immediately. Uh, we've got to, because then you've, you've got a whole nother problem you've got to deal with. Um, so I think the point here is to, to, and to be an agent of change in a responsible, wise way. Well, you're saying don't react, but do create. Mm-hmm. And that's the, they're here path process, uh, to, to react to your here is generally not constructive, but to ask yourself, okay, what, what should be, you know, what what should be, and, and creating that's really good. Uh, sometimes I have had people uh, talk, ask me about uh, like job change sort of decisions, which is a a different kind of circumstantial uh, uh, evaluation and change. And I usually point out First Thessalonians four three: This is the will of God, your sanctification. So. The, the the will of God is somewhat circumstantial neutral. Uh, uh, you know, there are some circumstances that are illegal or immoral, but other than that, I mean, you, it's what you do with the circumstances God cares most about. And in the instances in the Scripture where he altered somebody's circumstances, it, it's usually in the middle of them having made it some other choice. He, so it's, you know, he gave you a choice, you know, to make the best choice you can. But here's what I usually say. Don't ever leave something just because you're unhappy. Get content first. And when you're content, when you're when you're in a state of contentedness, then you can imagine something better. Then you can create. Otherwise, you're going to react. And I and I think that's part of the wise heart knowing a proper time and a proper way. And the proper time to create is when you're not reacting. The proper procedure to create is not to react. So yeah, things can be bad and you want to make them better, 
But don't react. Make a plan. Make a plan. Execute the plan. Well, he, in a very poetic fashion here, says, you can't restrain the wind with the wind, right? So a lot of times we want to leave a job that we're having trouble being grateful or content with for another job, but we're bringing the agent of discontent, our own self, into that other job. So we can't just like, you know, what we tend to think is this wind is bad, another wind would be better, but they're, they're both just winds. What is going to make a difference is you changing the way that, that you react to it. And, you know, this obviously has a, a clear kind of connection with what he's, the phrase he uses a lot, the chasing after the wind, right? You're chasing after one wind. You can't fix it by just chasing after another wind. That's not a, a real solution. So if you're, if, you're, if you're having an issue with something, you've got to slow down and figure out what, what's the real way to resolve this. My, my son runs our operations in our company. And he, he was telling me about a, an employee that's done very well, has very been prospered in our company. But early on, it was a little rocky. And the, he was talking to this guy, and he was saying, you know, I, I don't really like my job. And he, in the course of the conversation, he said, well, what job have you liked? And he said, well, not really any of them. He says, what does that tell you? <laughs> What's the common element in all those jobs? You. <laughs> and, and so what we tend to do is we leave a job in those circumstances and we take our problem with us, mm-hmm. us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so if you don't get content first, you're just going to take your problem with you because uh, you're under your circumstances. And you know what's going to be at the other job? Circumstances. He says here, we don't have authority over the day of death. And I think that's another poetic way to say you don't control results. So you don't control results. You don't control uh, other people's actions. You don't control your circumstances. You're going to be in an environment. You know what you control? Your perspective. So get your perspective. Work on that. Work on what you do control, I think would be an application of what Solomon's saying here. Nine and ten. All this I have seen and applied my mind to every deed that has been done under the sun, wherein a man has exercised authority over another man to his hurt. So then I have seen the wicked buried, those who used to go in and out from the holy place. They are soon forgotten in the city where they did this. This, too, is futility. So now we're talking about authority and its abuse. And sadly, in human history, this is a a long and and a tragic saga, mm-hmm. uh, uh, people abusing authority. And, and, and this is whether it's parents abusing their kids or rulers abusing their subjects or uh, you, you just, you can fill in the blank. This, this is, uh, this is the, the human problem. I have gotten involved some with an organization that's um, rescuing uh, women from uh, being trafficked. And here, here's the one of the most astounding things I've learned from that. A really significant percentage of those women were put into it by a family member. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's a horrific abuse of authority and, a, and an improper exercise of authority. But you know what? They're all going to be they're all going to have to give an account for that. And that's something that Solomon's going to 
Solomon's going to meet, uh, going to uh, tell us about, make make clear as 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 we continue to go through uh, Ecclesiastes. I think he's uh, he's alluding to that here too. Like he's saying, I, I've seen this wickedness done. I've also seen these wicked buried, knowing that that there's a there's a judgment coming to them. They used to go to and from in the holy place. They maybe had a, a time in their life where they were seeking communion with God, but they're soon, they've left it and they're soon forgotten and. Uh, once they're dead and buried, God, God's going to judge what, what they've decided to do in their life. Yeah, maybe they sought communion with God. More likely, they were seeking to wrap themselves in a cloak of moral authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you think about human tyrants over the ages, the, the, the progression is always, I'm doing this because the God has given me the authority and then it ends up. I oh, by the way, I am the God. You can worship me. That's that's where it always that's where it always gets to. And the reason they're doing that is because they know what they're doing is wrong, but they they're looking for some rationale to say, well, what I'm doing is really okay. And you know, sadly, this you know Christianity hasn't been immune from this. Uh, you know, the the uh, in the Middle Ages, the uh, church authorities would routinely give a cloak of moral authority to uh, sovereigns who were not doing a good job of ruling. So this is this is a, an abuse that's taken place many times over, and it's just a sad reality. And just because somebody's uh, trying to cloak themselves with some kind of moral authority, the more the more someone's trying to cloak themselves in moral authority, usually, uh, the more sinister it is. And this can be done. This this is this can be done in a from in a secular context just as well as a religious context of any kind. This is human nature. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.